Hello, everybody, and welcome to the History Voyager. My name is Benjamin Kitchings. How in the world are you? This is episode 118 of the History Voyager. It is with fellow podcaster Matt Douglas. He talks about walking history on his show. And that is, at first, what we talked about. But you know what? What started out as a round-robin sort of a discussion between history nerds about history ended up being a very uh, interesting uh, reminiscence of 9-11 and also of basically a, a little bit of a discussion about education. I definitely want to have him back on the podcast because he has a couple interesting stories that he didn't really have a chance to get into. But the thing I was going to say was um, he uses the F-bomb a little more than some people uh, might be comfortable with. So if that's you, um, hey, uh, you might want to either not listen to this around uh, the kids or you might want to give this one a skip in general. But I'd like to say, I'd like to remind everybody that this podcast is actually rated not safe for work. Um, also, it's coming into my attention that my podcast is growing by leaps and bounds. So if you're new here, um, what is now basically an interview-based podcast um, started out life as a deep dive into the Spanish flu and COVID-19. Uh, so please feel free to come on. Uh, down the feed and listen to me rattle on about the Spanish flu and COVID-19 if that's actually what you want to do. All right, I'll talk to you guys later. Uh, there's a several really interesting guests coming up uh, in the very, very, very near future. Um, but I'll talk to you fellas or you people later. All right, bye-bye now. I'll check you later. Hello, everybody. This is Ben Kitchings of the History Voyager. I'm here with Matt Douglas of the Walking History Podcast. Matt, how you doing this evening? Uh, doing pretty good. Just pour myself some scotch. Awesome. So, tell me about podcasting for you. Uh, I mean, it's been a pretty interesting ride, to be honest. Um, 2020 to 2021 was quite a ride, and... I moved and I got married and a whole bunch of stuff going on. And then 2021 started and we're still in the midst of COVID and I'm in like my new house, my new place. And it's like, I'm kind of bored. Like I want to do something else. And I, I was trying to kind of try to find like a hobby for myself. And I'm a huge history nerd. I used to be a history teacher. And I said, I wonder if I can do something history related with a podcast, something like that. And I have, I ended up creating like an education podcast with three different series there's an education series. Uh, there's a how-to series where I like, interview people like comedians or musicians who've like done cool things with their lives. And then I had the history one where I visit um, historical sites, talk about their history in detail, and uh, what it's like to visit today. So that's been a pretty cool experience. I've, I've really enjoyed it. What's the coolest thing about it? Um, for me, especially with the history one, like I get to get out of the house, especially when COVID was really going, 
but I get to get out of the house and like go to these really unique and interesting historic sites and like immerse myself in them. And uh, I live in Virginia, so there's a whole bunch of Civil War battlefields around, for example. So I get to go to a Civil War battlefield and I get to like literally walk it. And there's no experience. I was a history teacher, like I said, there's no experience in history quite like being at the place where the event took place. You can read about it in a book or watch a movie and that's cool. But the visceral sense that you get from like walking the steps of a battlefield, like the way that the generals rode their horses down or the place where the cans were fought over and places where hundreds or thousands of people died. Like that's a really unique experience. And to do that, to have fun with that, and then we get to record podcasts with it, talk about the history. That's just like so cool to me. That is cool. And, you know, I, even though I have a master's in history, I was really late in studying the Civil War. Um, But I imagine in Virginia, I mean, Virginia is where, like, most of the battles of the Civil War were, right? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, you have, like, all the major campaigns around Richmond. Uh, You know, Gettysburg is, like, a two-hour drive from my house. I'm going to do an episode on that. Later, later this summer, I believe, you know, it's just everywhere. You, you literally like you, there's this, there's this uh, group called civil, civil war trails. And they, if you go to like, civil war sites, they have plaques everywhere, even like the small, the small locations. And there's like, you know, 50 plaques within like a 30 minute drive of my house. There's just so much stuff that happened near where I live. Yeah. What's, I guess like right off the top of your head, like what's, what's one thing that you want to tell people about the civil war that they might not uh, they might not know. That is a that is a really good question. Um, well, I think that most people, when they think about the Civil War, they just sort of think about like the ending, and it's like Grant versus Lee, you know, and like Grant finally knocks him down. Um, but the Civil War lasted like three, four years, and what's cool about the the history that I've been getting to walk and experience is like the first battle of bull run was a couple thousand people total. And if you compare that to like Gettysburg or Antietam, that would have been like one tiny skirmish within the battle itself. So it grew, the civil war grew immensely in terms of men and death and in destruction. And it also had like a whole history of like back and forth fighting between like generals. You rarely even hear about like, McClellan, for example, um, who like had a huge piece of the war before it really ever went anywhere. It was basically a stalemate for like two years. Huh. I remember that about uh, McClellan that uh, Lincoln didn't necessarily like McClellan, but no, he did not. Or okay, who was it that he said? Who was the general of which he said? Well, I know these people and. There are no count liars and whatever else, but that doesn't mean they're they're not good generals or something. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. A, yeah, but I love the McClellan stuff. I have a I have a whole episode where I visit the Battle of Antietam, uh, where McClellan. This was like McClellan's like. <laughs> he, there's a there's a. I used to live in New Jersey, and there was a um a, a hot dog place of all of all things, like a hot dog shop, and they named all their hot dogs and 
different foods that are different generals. Like for example, the beer battered bratwurst was uh, the the Grant because he was sort of a notorious drunk, and they named the veggie burger or the veggie dog after McClellan. You know, insert your own joke there. But he McClellan at the Battle of Antietam just basically like snatched defeat from the jaws of victory. Like he had every opportunity to defeat. Uh, Lee potentially like literally he could have ended the war right there and instead he's like no 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 like pretty sure Lee has like a hundred thousand men that he didn't actually have and I'm just gonna kind of like attack one place and then retreat attack one place and retreat and he just like he had every opportunity to win what could have been like the decisive battle of the war and instead he let Lee retreat and go back to Virginia and get his you know reinforce his troops and the war went on for two more years Uh, and you think about how different I don't know, U.S. history, world history, potentially could have been if the Civil War had been over in, 19, in 1862 instead of 1864. And then you just think of like how frustrated Lincoln must have been, like sitting in the White House, like ripping out his hair, like, McClellan, are you freaking kidding me? Like, take it to him. You know, I got a real right. kick out of learning about that stuff, too. Right. I mean, one thing that I do remember about the Civil War uh, that I do actually remember about studying the Civil War is that it was a slow... Uh, Essentially, there was like this boil, yeah, a slow rolling boil that had been going on for honestly a few decades. Yep, and uh, essentially, the my memory of it is that essentially, um, what happened was there was a phenomenon you and I call having a job, right, <laughs> which they used to call wage slavery. Yep. Which was basically like you're you're coming off the farm and you're you're exchanging your labor for money that you're supposed to live on for the first time. This was something that was done really for the first time or on mass essentially. And this really threw a wrench in in how the the south specifically looked at you know doing work so to say. Yeah. And also there was the 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 railroads um and how because the railroads were linking the country up uh for the first time like they were people were were seeing for the first time what slavery was really like. Yes. Up close. And a whole lot of people didn't like that. Like a whole lot of people I mean, it's it's really fascinating. I used to teach American history, and there's this whole decades and decades of lead up up to the Civil War. And a lot of it is that a lot of it is like, you know, slavery had existed for since the beginning of the United States. Uh, and it, it only kind of increased. But if you were in the North, I mean, you you never seen a slave, you never seen a black person before. Um, you you had only heard stories and you know, you imagine slavery and okay, so how bad could it be, right? And then you get things like Uncle Tom's Cabin, um, very famous book. Today you think of like, oh, like how could a book be so influential? But like that was all people had for like entertainment and news at the time. It's like imagine like the movie Titanic coming out. You know, like everybody saw it. Everybody was like, oh my God, like, whoa, like this is a big deal. Then you have people like um, John Brown, who in my opinion is one of like the most fascinating people in world history, let alone American history. I did a whole episode on him. He's right on Harper's Ferry. I mean, this guy was like literally going around Kansas, cutting off people's slavery, uh, slave owners' heads with swords. Like that's how anti-slavery he was. And uh, then he goes to Harper's Ferry at the time in Virginia and now in West Virginia. And he like, 
attacks and takes over a, a federal armory, hoping to like start a slave revolt. Um, it doesn't work. Uh, but the notoriety that he gets and how much it sparks this like genuine debate in the U.S. for kind of the first time about like, okay, is slavery actually something that we're okay with? Um, and as the more people found out exactly what it was like, the more people were like, hell no. There were a couple things that I remember. Um, one of them I'm going to remember badly because it's been a few years now. But uh, it was um, there was a court case. Um, this young lady in Louisiana. Yeah, it ended up in Louisiana, but she started out in Texas. Um, was enslaved by this man. And she looked white, right? Yeah, right. She, yeah. she had blonde hair, which he dyed, right? He dyed the hair black or brown or whatever. But she was white and she looked white. And the deal was, was every time, and this happened after, before the war and after the war, every time she appeared before a jury of her peers, because he remember, he's trying to sue her. Because you ran away kind of thing, right? Yeah. So every time she appeared before a jury of her peers, the jury of her peers, now this is in the South, okay? The jury of her peers would be like, okay, wait, she's white. Like, <laughs> oh, okay. So one like of this the is, things- Like this is suddenly wrong now. Well, okay. And the thing that, that, the, that woke up the North about this was the- you know, these stories and they were like, they could come get me. You know, you're some white person in, in Iowa. I distinctly remember there was a, a race riot of all places in Iowa. Right. And the reason they were mad was because they had this weird, this fear, which I guess wasn't too out of place that, you know, slave hunters could come into Iowa. Well, it wasn't that out of place because after the Fugitive Slave uh, Act was passed in uh, 1850s at some point, I mean, literally slave catchers could go up north and just take people, you know, and like nobody had papers back then. Not really. You don't have a photo ID, you know, so they would just go up and they could take a black person and bring them back down south. I mean, like that happened. Like it's crazy. Yeah, it it did happen. And I've certainly read. You know, I've read accounts about that. I mean, I remember there was there was one guy. I think he was in Philadelphia. Yeah, he, he had a business. He was a, a a free a free black in Philadelphia, and some slave catcher just took him. Yeah, what recourse do you have? And yeah, exactly. And um, I think he eventually escaped and made it back to. But still, it's it's terrible. Um. There's a bad parallel, <laughs> which um, if you think about Uncle Tom's cabin, right? The yep. bad parallel is social media and today. It's not that far can, off. Right? But you see what I'm saying? Like you can see videos of what's going on and how, you know what I'm saying? Like, Yeah, it's like how one of the main reasons why public opinion turns so quickly against the Vietnam war is because all of a sudden on the nightly news, you're getting live. Well, not live, but you know, color TV recordings of like your own sons getting murdered 
you know, in this right. country in Asia. Like they had, they had never seen that before. World War II, Korean War was was pretty much, you know, you get like the newsreel footage like weeks later of a battle and it's all curated. Uh, but, you know, the newscasters were going overseas with their cameras and they were filming what was happening. And it was horrific. And people were like, this is not okay. You know, and when you see right. that for the first time, it, 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 it hits home. I mean, I, I distinctly remember because um, in college I did a couple of projects on Vietnam, um, maybe like two or three projects on Vietnam. One of the things I remember reading, which I had to re- – I actually had to have a person in the coffee shop. I was like, excuse me, read this to me. <laughs> read this paragraph to me to yeah. make sure I hear it right. Apparently, the parents of the baby boomers – had a lower opinion of Vietnam than the baby boomers themselves. Yeah. Think about that. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's counterintuitive to us today, isn't it? Yeah. I mean... <sighs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's nuts. I mean, you know, you got a master's in history, you do a history-related podcast. You know, I do a lot of stuff here. I, I was a history teacher do a history podcast too. I mean, it's like you just, you go down the rabbit hole and there's so many fascinating things. Um, and it sort of blows your mind when you can compare it to today and parallels in it. And I, you know, I see history as a continuum. You know, one of the reasons why it's so interesting to me is that like a story from 2000 BC can still be relevant today, you know? And it's just, it's wild that it's just like the human experience. The human experience has happened for thousands and thousands of years and will continue. Um, and here we are like, talking about some of the most unique or interesting stories or moments in it. And you could just, you can keep digging into that and diving into it as much as you want. I mean, what's for you, like what's one thing about the history that really just sort of, I guess like one area or one sort of thing that just sort of sticks out at you and is all like, Oh my God, that is so crazy. Or that's just so amazing or whatever. You know, this this sort of stereotypical answer there is uh, as they look, World War II, like, oh my God, right? Um, but for me, for me, honestly, I would say, especially through through what I've been doing with the podcast lately, is like the idea of experiencing history, going to a place where it happened, or talking to a person who lived through it. That is such that that's so much more of a, of a way to interact with history than. Than so much else. Like when I was a history teacher, um, I was all about like, hey, let's experience history any way we can. Like, I don't want to read from a book. That's boring. Like, we'll do it sometimes. We'll take notes sometimes. But like anything I could do to, to bring history to life. For me, that's what makes it so interesting. So like, you know, when I used to go, I've been to Europe a number of times. I mean, I love it because you're literally like in history. You know, the building you're staying in for your hotel is 400 years old. Um, so for me, that's probably always been the most fascinating part. It's like whether you're somewhere or talking to someone or watching video or something and you get to experience the fact that like humans have been on this earth for hundreds and thousands of years and the stories are right there in front of you. You know, this is the place where, you know, X happened, whatever, you know, this is the place where the Roman Caesar did this. I mean, it's just like crazy, you know? So that's, that's, that's what I like. What's crazy to me is like, um, I didn't see this in person, but I think it was the Hagar Sophia. Sure. Um, the mosque in Istanbul. Yeah. You could see the, the place 
where they they've prayed so much over the eons, over the hundreds of years, you could see where they rubbed a hole. They've actually made a depression in the rock from taking somebody's thumb and doing a circle with their hand. That is so cool, isn't it? Well, <laughs> like, oh my god! <laughs> like, like, wow. We're like, okay, here's another one. You look at Winston Churchill's chair that he was sitting in while he was being told by by intelligence people about the war, about what's going on. Yep. You can literally look at the depressions in the arm where he's grabbing both of the arms <laughs> and just holding on. Yeah. Yeah, there's nothing like it, right? There's nothing like going and seeing the place or the thing that like is in history. Or I'll tell you something that I saw once, and they, for some idiotic reason, they took it out of the museum, and I don't know why they did this. Um, used to be in the Country Music Hall of Fame. They had the mixing desk that was made by the guy who made the first mixing desk, right? Yep. To mix records up and stuff. And this thing was built by the same guy who built the atomic bomb. Built this thing. Right? <laughs> I wonder what he's more proud of. Well, it, probably the mixing desk. Because he didn't tell anybody that I assembled the atomic bomb. People yeah. had to figure that out. But the thing is, you think about it. And there, I remember reading about this desk, like how you could use this thing into the, you could plug it in and use it into the 2000s. I mean. That's, that's amazing, right? Like, you think about, like, here's this guy that blew up the world twice. Once pop culture wise, and once by building the atomic bomb. How about how, like, when you go to, like, you know, Stonehenge? Like it, it still works basically. Like the equinoxes still work, and you know the way that it'll the, the sun will line up or whatever at a certain time of year. Like these people in like prehistoric times, like what three thousand years ago. Like and it's still there, and it's still yeah. like it, it serves its function. It's amazing. It's it's always amazing to me. Well, to me, like the there's a, there's a family story that I never really got that I never viscerally understood until I was, uh, until I had d done a video call for the first time a few years ago, right? And the story was that my great-grandfather was walking through town in his small town, right? And he, saw, he was a chemistry professor, okay? And he saw a, a radio, and he heard a radio. And it, I guess, like the way you'd say it in modern days, it just blew his mind. Yeah. Like this radio just blew his mind. Okay. And I don't know. I'd heard, I grew up hearing that story, right? But the first time I ever Skyped, I was like, after that, I was like, okay. Like, I wonder if my great-grandfather walked around with his mouth open for, like, the last half of his life. Like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> uh, you know, we, we get blown away so often, or maybe we're so jaded to it, you know, with all the 
every two years is not a huge advance in technology. I, I love thinking about like Morse code. Like, you know, whenever it started, something in the mid 1800s, I guess it was like before Morse code, like you wanted to send a message to somebody like you got to write a letter. If you can even read or write, you got to put it in like what the Pony Express mailbox or like get some messenger and like hopefully it gets to the person, maybe like the, the ship you send it on, like, you know, sinks or or you, you've sent it, it gets there two weeks later and you get a reply a month after that. And then like all of a sudden there's Morse code. And like there's wires going from city to city and then eventually transatlantic. And like you're you're pressing a little button going dee, 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 dee. And all of a sudden, like within what, a minute, you can communicate with somebody hundreds of miles away. Like, poof, like, are you kidding? Like, how just absurd is that? How nuts would that moment have been? I mean, juxtapose that with like today. Like today I can get on Twitter and I can talk to people all over the world, you know, or like you and I met on Reddit. Yeah. We just sent each other message, you know, like it's just so that's what I've learned in a year and two months is how small this little blue marble actually is. Yeah, man. Yeah, (laughs) I know. I know. And like how many iterations of like generations have said that, like, you know, the advent of, of, Morse code, for example, like, oh, like I can talk to somebody hundreds of miles away or like, you know, the plane, I can visit this country for the first time ever. Uh, or this, the internet, you know, or podcasts. I don't know. Or just the fact that like, you know, I don't even know where you are in the country or the world. And we're just talking to each other through microphones with no delay. <laughs> like what? Or like, how about this? Um, how about the fact that I can, like tomorrow, right? Tomorrow, I'm talking to a man in England. And I've talked to enough people in England now that I can tell time in England. Yeah. I can sit and look at my clock and add five hours and be like, it's this time in England. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I just remember that first grader and how... I just didn't, I didn't need to know how to tell time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So crazy. So do you want to talk about being a teacher for a second? Yeah, of course. Uh, I could go on forever. So give me somewhere to start. Okay. Um, Let's pretend like we all know, we let's pretend like we've all been to school. We've, we've all been to high school, whatever. So we middle school, whatever. So we all like, we we have that experience, okay? Right. But we might not have the experience of teaching children. Okay. So how how is the experience of teaching children uh, different from being a child in school? Oh wow! Um, so when you're a teacher, um, you are you are like. A, an authority figure just because of the nature of your position. Uh, But B, you're also looked up to as like, whether kids want to admit or not, some kind of mentor, some kind of role model, some kind of like example of what in a quote unquote adult can be. Um, So when you're an adult being a teacher, you're, you're thrust into this position where you're like literally like the head of the class. And your job is to 
you know, teach content, teach skills, you, you, you know, you, you have your standards, you have to teach whatever the curriculum is. Um, but in my opinion, like at least as important as that is you're also a role model basically. And, and that's kind of, for me, how I always treated the position of being a teacher. Uh, I was a classroom teacher for high school in a public school for a couple of years. Um, I worked at a private school for a number of years also, where it was, it was very like one-on-one. It was kind of like a tutoring mentoring relationship. Um, the difference there is obviously the size of the class, but the position doesn't really change. I mean, the experience is like you're working every day um, to deliver the best lessons that you can to your kids and also connect to them on a personal, real, emotional level. Um, and I think most teachers worth their salt will say that it's that combination that is the most important thing, that you are teaching them content and academic skills or life skills. And at the same time, you are like working with them as human beings and as people. And that's that's how I always kind of considered it. Okay. What is the... Okay. Here's a question that I've always wanted to know the well, not always, but for years I've wanted to know the answer. To Since you were question. three years old. <laughs> well, no, but for a while. Okay. I feel like okay, I went to public school, right? I went to public high school. I didn't go to middle school. We didn't have that where I where I lived. But I went to public high school. I went to a public college. I also went to a private college, but I went to a public college, a couple of them. And I always encounter these people online or in the world or wherever. And they're always like, well, I didn't know about the Tulsa race, right? And I didn't know about, yeah. let me think of another one. I didn't know about uh, World War II or concentration camp. I met a guy in his Japanese internment camps, right? Right. Or a, a guy yeah. in his 30s I met, I met who didn't know about concentration camps and Jews. That's crazy. Okay. Here is my question, oh, oh educator. <laughs> what? Okay. I fe- not to be all like, back in my day, <laughs> but back in my day, um, we had to learn about Tulsa, the Tulsa race writer. We had to learn about, um, you know, people being interned in concentration camps or, or Japanese internment camp or whatever. We had to know about that. We were tested on it. What happened? Well, it's a, well, it's a great, it's a great question. Uh, it's a complicated answer. Um, I'll be honest with you. I think, you know, I was really into history for almost all my life. Uh, I didn't ever learn about the Tulsa massacre in any real way until my twenties. Uh, I just never experienced it. I, I, I didn't know. Um, and that's crazy to think about, but I think that the answer is complicated. And I think here's the, basically the gist of it. On the one hand, history by the nature of being history means there is so much of it out there. I mean, you look at the fact that we spend two years teaching typically most schools American history, and we still what get to a third of it, half of it, depending on deep you're going, and then you get all then you got all of world history too. So half of it is literally just the, the matter of how many facts can you give a certain person in this amount of time, right? You're going to miss something no matter what. 
Um, then you add to that the fact that for many people, history is boring or not a priority or they just plain forgot it. Um, I can tell you that most people have learned about all these different kind of things. They just forgot. They weren't paying attention that day. Um, maybe they had a bad teacher. I find that pretty rare um, in that sense. So what's happened to education? I mean, I think that there is just so much learning out there to be done that you are never going to get to it all. Um, and even the smartest yeah. person with the best teachers, you just, you, you can't. Um, now that's not to say that there aren't a lot of problems with education. Um, I think that the way that education's changed in the past 10, 20 years is a big problem. The focus on testing, um, ends up meaning that you tend to learn less instead of more. Um, the fact that the public education system is severely underfunded, that classrooms are overcrowded, um, that many teachers are not as qualified as they should be often through no fault of their own. Um, they can't find the teachers to do it. That's part of it too. So it's a really long answer to it. For, for most people, I, I sort of hear your like the grinding of your gears in your head. It's like, how do people not know these super, super crucial, important things? And like, it's like, they should know you got to teach them, but there's, there's just, there's a limit to people's ability to learn and there's a limit to people's ability to be yeah. taught. Yeah. And you said something like history isn't really relevant to like a lot of people, people or, or some people or yeah. what have you. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, I, I, I did a deep dive podcast on the Spanish flu and it was inspired by COVID. Yeah. And then I started covering COVID. Because there were weird parallels that were just weird that were right there, right? Yeah. Um, but because I was learning about the Spanish flu, I'm old enough to have great aunts and uncles that were alive when they were alive and young folks when the Spanish flu was around, right? And I even, I kick off my Spanish flu deep dive with a family story about my my grandmother and a person that I think was her sister. And the sister remembered the Spanish flu, like had yeah. formed memories of the Spanish flu to the point where like she was afraid of somebody that had the flu, like the normal flu that people get. Like she yeah. was actually like afraid of that. And I think part of the thing is most kids, thank God, thank God, honestly, most 15 year olds have not lived through a, a, a tectonic or a, a sort of like an earth shattering situation Yeah, where they literally think, Oh, okay. That toddler, when that toddler right there is old, they're going to learn about this. <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. literally. Literally. I mean, well, for, for me, for me, my, I remember this very, very vividly. Uh, I, so I was born in 1987. Um, for me, when 9 11 happened, I grew up in New Jersey. So I was, you know, a lot of people from my school had parents working in the city. And I was 13 years old, uh, like 13 and a half or so when 9-11 happened. Mm -hmm. And I remember that day like perfectly well. 
And when I was a teacher, I remember that I had this like moment. I was like just out of college. I was like 22 years old, 23 maybe. And the students in my class were 15, 16, 17, 18. And they were like the last people at the time to remember 9-11. They were in like third grade or first or second, you know what I mean? When 9-11 happened. And I remember thinking like, holy shit, like two, three yeah. years from now, the kids that I might see in my classroom if I continue teaching wouldn't even remember 9-11. And then you get to the point where I was teaching now a few years ago where you had kids who were born after 9-11. And that like blows my mind, you know, because I was, I was a kid. I was 13 years old when it happened. And to think now that yeah. people who are essentially adults we're all we're not even alive when it took place. It's crazy, um, and that's where a lot right. of that perspective comes in. Yeah. Well, here's something that you just hit on, right? I mean, I got news for you. Like, if you're if you're 22, 23 years old, it doesn't matter if you've got a job or not or whatever. You're essentially the same age as somebody who's 17. Not really. You know, there's some. I felt a lot of similarities to those kids the, that I was teaching. Yeah. Developmental way, developmental wise, but you know, there's a lot of similarities between seventeen yeah. and twenty three. Yeah, you're like of the between, same generation, you know. Yeah, especially between guys, you know. But yeah. just saying. So yeah, I mean, yeah, it's an interesting experience. I mean, anybody who's been a teacher at a college knows it's like it's kind of like surreal. You're like, wait a minute, <laughs> like you guys have like brothers my age, uh, and my. Uh, my 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 first year, I never told anybody how old I was, and I wore a tie every day to school. And I asked my kids at some point, like, "Oh, how old do you think I am?" And I think the average answer I got was like twenty six. So, like, all right, I'm doing something right. They think I'm like almost ten years older than them. And I think like the last week yeah. of school, I finally told them how old I was. They were like, "No way!" Like, Mister Douglas, no, like, no way. Uh, yeah, you, I don't know. It's 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 weird. It's kind of a mind fuck when you're in that situation. Yeah. 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 By the way, I'm rated non-safe for work, but yeah, that's probably going to stick in. But <laughs> good. <laughs> I'm drinking I pray, scotch. I can't really censor myself right now. No, good, good. I can't. I uh, I pray at the Church of Joe Rogan podcasting. Oh, I mean, I pray at the Church of the Joe Rogan School of Podcast Editing, oh, which is like you don't like if I edit the podcast, something happened. Right. Um, right. <laughs> I don't know. Like honestly. To me, like, I think the craziest thing about, um, like, I remember 9-11. Um, not, I mean, I, I wasn't in New Jersey at the time. I was in, I was in Georgia. I, I was in college. I, I was actually in the student lounge when it happened. I, uh, I, I looked I walked in and somebody said to me there was a plane hit the Twin Towers and I remember thinking oh like a crop duster or like a biplane right because that's what you're going to think of at first of course yeah. yeah and then I remember watching the second plane hit wow and I'll never forget that and I'll never for there's angles. I swear this is real. There are angles that you that I saw that day that I haven't seen before or since. Like I've there are that. angles that I saw 
that I haven't seen since that they're just burned in my mind. Forever. Did it fuck you up to like see that live? So I used to work at a TV station. Um, I guess to answer your question, I was more, I, I, the reason I said I used to work at a TV station is because what I immediately thought was, oh, okay, the, the, the news director made a mistake there. And the reason he made the mistake was because he was too busy being like his mouth was open or what, whatever, you know what I'm saying? Like, like if I had had four seconds more, if I were him, if I had four seconds more, I totally wouldn't have shown that wouldn't, right. have, wouldn't have shown that shot. Right. Like I remember, I, I totally remember this. I don't remember the news anchor. I don't remember if it was Brian Williams or, or uh, Peter Jennings or Dan Rather, who, who it was. But there was a shot of like, um, there was like a frame or two of this dude looking out of this window and he was above the plane That's so and where the plane was coming in. He yeah. was above the plane. And so wow. I don't know. I don't want to throw I don't want to throw the wrong anchor under the bus. I, I don't. <laughs> but there was an anchor who actually said, Can we see that again? Because yeah. he was still in this, oh, this is unreal. Like this is not yeah. reality. Yeah. You know, like like there's a thing that you can happen, there's a thing that can happen to you. Where you disassociate. You look through a camera. It certainly doesn't seem real anymore. Yeah, you, you hold yeah, up your like, camera lens or you're looking through your Instagram filter or some nonsense, like, you know? Like you did yeah. like I've interviewed I've led this life where I've interviewed gazillions of people. I don't know how many people I've interviewed, not just for this podcast, but a whole ton of folks, right? And I don't remember if it was a police officer or a or a army vet or whoever it was. But somebody said to me while they were, it was a Vietnam vet. Somebody said to me while they were in battle, they said to me, it's like I wasn't there. Yeah. It's like I was watching it and I wasn't even there. So let me tell my 9 11 story real quick because I, 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 I had a similar moment here. I'm not too proud of it, but I was 13 years old. Uh, I grew up in New Jersey and so it was like eight in the morning when, when nine 11, when the, 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 um, when the planes hit, uh, was I was taken out of school. I was taken out of school early or well, I didn't even go. I went in late because I had a, a like a dentist appointment, orthodontist appointment, something like that. My, I don't know, my bracing needed to get tightened or something. And I'm in the car with my mom and we're listening to the radio and we hear it on the radio and it's like, what the fuck? You know? Um, and I'm going from in my car to the dentist's office and like, I heard it. And like, I, like you said, the first thing you think of is, oh, like a crop duster, but they were like, no, 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 this was like an airliner. And I was old enough to know what was going on, but it seemed so surreal. And so just like out of like an out of body experience that I walked into that orthodontist appointment, that, that office. 
And I was the one to tell the people there, but I didn't say it like, oh my God, like guys turn on the news, like a plane just hit the, tr- the, the World Trade Center. I was like kind of in this weird, surreal, like state of shock where I was kind of like laughing about it. Like, oh my God, guys, like, did you hear a plane just hit? Like, ah, ah, ah. and I, and I kind of like remember the faces of the people. They're like, what the fuck? And you know, then I had my fucking orthodontist appointment. Yeah. And then I left and I finally like processed it. I was like, like, holy, like, wait, like, wait a minute. Like, this is, this is like potentially life changing. And, um, it's so I crazy went, that when you're 13, that you actually think this is life changing. Like, oh my God. I, 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 I knew I, yeah. my next thought was maybe cause I grew up in New Jersey too. Cause I was, I, I had, I had literally, I'd been to the world trade center. I'd been on top of the roof. I'd seen the view from yeah. there. Um, right yeah. from there, I went to school and I, I think it was third period. I got to, I came in late. They hadn't told anybody at school yet. They had kept it quiet again. Cause we were in Jersey. And a lot of these people had, had family, had parents who worked in the city. And I remember, I, I've never, ever forget this. I sat down at my desk. It was Spanish class. And I wrote the date nine slash 11. And I was like, I will never forget writing this. And my immediate thought, like after I had processed all this was like, I'm pretty sure we're going to war. Like we're bombing somebody. Like something's happening. Um, and weird? it did. It did. Isn't yeah. that weird? That looking back, it's nuts. Like looking back, because that's what I remember. I remember the next day. I literally remember the next day, like walking around campus, and there was this elderly professor. Really, really elderly professor. And he said, he said that we had a whole conversation and he said, um, we're going to go to war. I, I know it. Yeah. I absolutely know it. And I, everybody knew that. Everybody knew. I mean, Bush was in the white house, you know, he's a bit of a war, you know, you just got to get the sense from him and then you get nine 11. It's yeah. like, there's no yeah. way this is going quietly. There's just no way. There's no way. And then there, I mean, there's other, I mean, okay. There's other things like, it's, I don't even know if these videos are still around, but one night, one night I was on YouTube, um, and I, I was looking, do you remember, you, you might not, this might, uh, fall under the category of there are things that I know that other people don't know. Well, let's find out. Um, there used to be this type of a camera that filmed um filmed it recorded images and videos on a on a floppy disk i don't Do you think i ever that? no no okay it looked like a it looked like a camera or like a tw- like a late 20th century version of what a camera what somebody who wanted to make a then futuristic camera would look like yeah um but the deal the was is camera put, yeah, yeah, essentially. But it it was kind of the thing before digital cameras had on board smart had on board uh hard drives or whatever, right? It was before that. Okay. Okay. So there was a video on YouTube of it was these two girls and they were about my age. They were college kids. They were college girls. Now and they lived in a dorm. They either lived in an apartment or a dorm. But it was, they were obviously college. It was obviously they were college girls. 
And what it was was they were shooting with they were shoot they were just and this is so crazy. They were just shooting each other with these little cameras <laughs> right when 9/11 happened. Like Ooh. right as it happened. From across the river or across the way or whatever, not across the street, but from across a distance yeah. from the Twin Towers. Yeah. And you could literally then they quit filming each other and they filmed that. And now the images, like the video wasn't really long, so they would they kept switching out the 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 diskettes or the floppies or whatever. But I remember like looking at the video and I don't know if I can still find it. If I could totally if I could find it, I'll totally link it in the description. <laughs> Yeah, but it's surreal, it, um, right? You know that kind of thing. It's just surreal. Well, the whole thing was surreal because it started out as like these are our new little gadgets, right? And then like, oh my god! And then they're on the news. Like those little things are broadcast on the news. Yeah. Well, the, yeah. I don't know that this was on the new on the news per se, but I know it was on. I know they just show up on YouTube news. years later, <laughs> like a couple of years later. But it showed up edited together because they edited. All the all the times they had swapped out the floppies. Okay. So each little floppy was, I don't know, like a minute. Right. I don't know, thirty seconds. I don't remember. It, but it wasn't long. <laughs> you know. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. Yeah, it was. It was. It was crazy. It was. It was a crazy experience. And, and having having grown up where I did and experiencing, mm -hmm. I mean, you know, look. I didn't grow up in New York City. I'm sure people there have a completely, you know, different experience the more than I did. But I, I could see from where I from where I lived in New Jersey, you looked northeast, you saw the sky was hazier for like a week after. And at some point in the in the few days or week after, uh, I went to uh, like the Hudson River. Um, I think it was Jersey City. I probably went to which from there you see New York. It's like right across the river. And you just saw the smoke billowing out, you know, and that was going on for like two weeks. Like, uh, like it was just so like, you just yeah. knew that that was like a moment in time. And I feel like, I feel like COVID is that maybe times five or 10, but like, it's like a moment in time where like, there was like before this happened, then there was the event. And then there's after this happened, you know? And like, yeah, I, for, for well, me, I, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. The thing I was going to push back, um, a little bit with that. COVID is weird. Like, I swear the historians are going to look back on this as like this. This is the pandemic that you that you can participate in or not. <laughs> yeah, right. Right? Yeah. Like, no, I'm not. I'm being for real. Like, I talked to a guy in China. Or not in China. He wants to go back to China. Okay. He's totally on team COVID was not real. He's a thousand percent on that COVID was not real. Yeah. Well. Okay. And he's not the only one. Yeah. Yeah. That, that blows me away. I, my, my great aunt died of COVID. Uh, you know, I have friends whose family died of COVID. I, I have clients whose their entire family got it and, one of them has long haul right now and she's dealing with that. It's been months. I mean, it, pff, 
like, listen, if you want to stick your head in the sand, I guess be my guess, but like you are living in an alternate reality. You're living in a false world. Like you're not doing anybody ever any favors, including yourself. Uh, and if you choose to believe that somehow this is like a hoax, it's like, where do you even start with somebody like that? Like, I, I just don't even know. Yeah. I mean, doing this podcast where I, I don't know if you've been down the list or not, but I, I have episodes where I talk to people about their COVID experiences and some of the most harrowing COVID experiences are, are things they either forget to tell me while we're recording or they don't want to talk about it on online. And I have heard some stories, man. Yeah. Yeah. That are, it's it's awful. You know, like Jesus, some of these, here's what I'll tell you. Whatever number, like whatever number it is that this is the number of people that died of COVID. Like, this is the number of people who died of COVID. Like, this number. Yay! Okay. Whatever number that is. That number is significantly higher. Okay? Whatever that number really is, that number is significantly significantly higher than the number they publish. Sure. Oh, yeah. For a whole lot of reasons. Definitely. Uh, One reason is that there's a whole lot of people who just either didn't have time to go to the doctor or... They had no desire to go to the doctor or, or what what have you, or they couldn't or, or whatever. Another reason is like there was, a, I don't know if you remember, but there was a period of time where they had to learn that COVID caused heart conditions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Heart problems. Yep. And things like that, like strokes, whatever. Yeah, there's a client that I I used to work with and the mom had like a very close friend who had some like pretty, pretty difficult, fairly rare like brain issue, but nothing that would have been any huge of a problem in normal times. Uh, But because it was during COVID, she couldn't get a doctor's appointment and they kept pushing it off and pushing it off. And eventually it was too late. Um, They didn't catch what she had in time and she died that's a COVID death. You know, somebody who couldn't go to the doctor for a month or two because of COVID who in ordinary times would have been like, Oh my God, like you have this issue. You're going to get surgery tomorrow. Like you're good to go. Like you're fine. She never had that opportunity. She died. You know, that kind of stuff happens all the time too. Yeah. And then what about, I mean, you had the other people, like you have the other extreme where the kid, like there was a kid that didn't have anything wrong. Yeah. That's common. Just died of a heart attack. Right, Just, or the whole like a uh, blood clot thing or something that was fairly rare, but was happening. Like mm-hmm. they asymptomatic, but had a blood clot and died. Right. You no. Know? Or yeah. okay, how about this? So we're getting pretty morbid here, aren't we? Yeah. Well, this is a history podcast. And <laughs> yeah. Damn it, we lived through history. <laughs> That's right. You <We> fucking did. <laughs> we did, man. It's still living it. It's not quite over. Yeah. Well, okay. How about well? How about this? There's an apartment complex that's kind of up the street from me. Not really technically, but it's in, you know, same general area that I live in. Um, there was like a whole lot of deaths in that one apartment complex in the same weekend. And this is before COVID 
like this was before people understood this is during COVID, but it was kind of before like February, March. Yeah. This was actually February or January. And that was, I think at least around here, one of the first, like what? Like, wow. And where are you? I'm in Metro Atlanta. So yeah. 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 That would have been super early, especially in Atlanta. Right. Yeah. Well, we had some of the earliest COVID because we have um, one of the busiest airports. That's true. You do. And we also have, um, there's some military bases like in the state that are pretty big. Um, You know. Yeah. Yeah. We had, I was in San Diego at the time when COVID started. Um, I moved last year through COVID. (laughs) That's an experience. Uh, But, um, we had a friend, my, my now wife and I, we had a friend who like, this is like middle of February where people had heard about it. Like, oh, it's not here yet, you know? And uh, she came down with this weird cough, was feeling kind of out of it. This was sort of, you know, the it, what is COVID even? What are the symptoms? And I just said, why don't you take out of work? And she did. And she was going to come to my now wife's birthday party. Her, her, her birthday is March oh. 13th. And it was, it was like, wow, like this is getting maybe kind of serious. Like maybe instead of a big party, we should have like a small thing. And then uh, like, maybe we should cancel it or maybe you shouldn't come to to the friend. She ended up not coming. Thank God. She totally had COVID. Uh, She lost her sense of smell and taste for like six weeks, you know, and this was before anybody even knew it was around. Like the first case in San Diego that was confirmed was reported like March 10th or something, you know, like. It, it was it was totally around, especially in those metro areas. Um, so mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, do you want uh, before I ask you other questions? Do you want to talk about moving during COVID? Because I'm curious about that. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Um, I got to cut it short in about ten minutes. Um, but let let me give you the let me give you the the, the quick version here. Um, whew, boy. So we were moving from San Diego, California to Northern Virginia um, in basically June of 2020. And <laughs> like we weren't going to fly. Uh, we were going to drive, which I guess is safer. Um, and we had all our stuff shipped, but we had enough stuff in our car like to live in for two weeks, basically. And we said, all right, like, how are we going to like, literally, how are we going to do this? Like, what is safe? Um, and what we ended up doing was charting a course through the country where we could stay at Airbnbs that we could confirm that nobody had stayed in the night before. Uh, and that was for us like the safest way to do it. It was a huge hassle. It was like kind of scary. We originally had a plan to go into Arizona, like do the Grand Canyon as we're going across. And like literally three days before we were going to leave, Arizona had this huge spike um, this is back again in like basically June, 2020. We're like, fuck that. So we diverted our plans, went to like Utah instead, which ended up being phenomenal. But like, A, it, it creates so much more tension and hassle. You know, where are we going to eat? Uh, how are we going to go into places safely? Like, how can we be sure that like the cleaning lady at the place we're staying didn't just walk in with her mask off because that was happening all the time. And we're driving through a lot of places in the country where people were not taking it seriously. We drove through Kansas, for example, and I was texting with the Airbnb hostess and I was like, hey, like we're pretty concerned about COVID. Like we're trying to make sure it's safe. And she's like, oh, there's no COVID here. 
And I was like, are you fucking like, yes, there's COVID here. And if it's not there, it's, it's coming. Like that attitude was so pervasive <laughs> and it even still is now in some ways. But I mean, it was just like such a trip. Like it was what was supposed to be like a phenomenal life experience. Like, you know, we're driving across the country. Like, who doesn't want to do that? Was half a really exciting trip and half like a stressful, neurotic, like, like it reminds me of, of being in like the 1700s and you're just trying to make it to that way station. Like you're on your horse and you're in hostile Indian territory <laughs> and you just got to make it to that next inn. You know, and if the inn is closed or if the horse breaks its leg, like you're fucked. And that's kind of like how it felt. Um, it was yeah. fun, but like, I don't think I want to do that again. I so. mean, well, hopefully you won't. Um, <laughs> yeah, really. Jesus. I mean, that just sounds wow. It was wild. I mean, how do you like, and how do you even explain that? It's just so, it's just so, it's a surreal moment in a surreal year. Completely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Matt. Um, well, I got to talk for a couple more questions if you got them for me. Okay, yeah, no. A um, couple more questions. Um, what do you think, like, have we seen the end of this? Have we seen the end of after we're all vaccinated or is this going to Of COVID? You know, I, I have, I'll say two things. I was the kind of person before COVID who was pretty sure of myself in terms of like, I think I can read the tea leaves of how the world's going. Like, I, I think I got a handle on things. And in the country, after COVID, like, nope. Like, I have no more preconceived notions about anything. Like, it's kind of all up in the air. What's going to happen It's going to happen. I have basically very little control or understanding of it. Um, I think if I'm going to predict what I feel like is happening in this country right now, is that there is a majority of America that is taking it at least fairly seriously, that is worn masks, is getting vaccinated, and there's going to be large pockets of the country where COVID is basically an afterthought, where, yeah, you'll get maybe a handful of cases here and there, but it's it's basically not an issue anymore. Um, and then there's going to be parts of the country where it's going to keep running rabid and, and, and people are going to still continue to die. And it's sort of emblematic of the two different parts of the U S at this point now, which is a sad state of affairs. Uh, but, but then you have the kind of like giant question mark in the back of everybody's head. It's like, what if one of these variants gets to be like a really big deal? Like what if something else comes down the pipe, you know? Um, so I think we're for sure returning to like mostly normalcy, but there's this now this sort of like itching question of like, is it really normal? Like, will it ever really be normal? Um, and I don't think anybody can really answer that. Well, the, the parallel I've got is, I mean, you remember, um, obviously you remember the, like the 2008 economic crash. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I graduated college during that. That was rough. We haven't returned to normal from that. No, I don't think we have. I mean, you know, the, the fact is that, I mean, you've got entire industries that, you know, You've got a whole industries that are never going to return to normal. And I think people are, are waking up to that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think so. I honestly do. Yeah. I, I, I graduated when I was a kid. The idea was like, I grew up in a middle class suburb of Jersey. And it, the idea was like, listen, you go to college, you get a degree, you'll be fine. That was sort of like the very unstated if not fully stated like goal of like hey listen 
just do this until you're 18 and you'll be fine. Do this until you're through college, you'll be fine. And then I graduated in, in 2010 in the full swing of the recession. And it was just like a job desert. You know, people were being laid off. There wasn't money. I was very lucky to get a job, even to get interviews. I had tons of friends. I was graduating as a teacher. I mean, my God, I had tons of friends who were living back with their parents, who were getting jobs like subbing or like working at a tutoring center or just went anything to get a paycheck. I mean, no, have we gotten back to before then? No, I, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. No, you're right. And I mean, even now, like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's strange. It's how the world yeah. changed. I mean, talk about history. I mean, like economies change, countries change, like power shifts and we're like living through it, you know, in a very like real way. Yeah, so. like the, I think the funniest thing to me is you were you were talking about the what college was supposed to be, and the funny thing to me is like, I mean, like I study history and you know cultures change, and I think the the way our culture views education is different now. Yeah, honestly. Yeah. I mean, uh, absolutely. absolutely. The way we, the, the last thing I'll, I'll basically say here before I got to unfortunately hop off. And it's been, it's been wonderful being on. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It is, is as a teacher, um, you, f you feel that and you feel the just sort of like almost contempt that the public has for you. And it's fucking awful. Um, one of the series that I do is, is the education series. I interview lots of teachers. I just interviewed one today that'll be up probably next week. We'll talk about this a bit. It's just like, we are the people who are there like literally every day with your kids, taking care of them, teaching them, nurturing them, helping them. And like, there's no respect for this profession that is like so incredibly important. Um, and, and, and that disrespect kind of like pervades in a lot of different ways in American society that People don't really understand unless you're in education or if you, if you take the time to really look into it or, or think unless you it, so. see it, you don't really, you don't yeah. really see it. Yeah, exactly. Unless yeah. you see so. like, Oh, we don't think that's valuable. We just expect people to know things, whether, yeah. well, how does that happen? Yep. And you right? asked, that's what you asked me very early on. And that's <laughs> part of the answer. Like that's part of the answer is that our education system, our society is, is just not designed right now at the moment to really effectively teach our kids the way that they could be taught. It just isn't. It's just not. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, before I let you go, the, the one comment I'm going to make is I really do think eventually we're going to see, we're going to have to see, um, you know, guilds come back. Um, hey, nothing's out of the question anymore. I, I, yeah, I, I, for I real. Mean, seriously. Yeah. All right. Uh, Matt. I've got to download this. So what this means is you've got to leave this browser. You've got to leave this tab open. Okay. Uh, for this download, but it, but I'll do the decency of muting the muting both of our microphones and we can just go on about our lives. And <laughs> thanks a bunch, Matt. Do you want to plug your podcast? This is while you're on the line. I would love to. Yeah. Um, yeah. If anybody's interested in checking out my podcast, uh, it's called the educator podcast. Um, like I said, it has three series. So if you're coming to this um, Voyager podcast here um, with the history angle, uh, definitely check out my walking history series. What that is, is basically I will visit um, sites of historical importance, 
like the Battle of Antietam, the Battle of Bull Run, uh, or for example, um, where Martin Luther King gave his I Have a Dream speech. And I'll detail in detail the history of that event, but I'll also walk the area and explain what it's like to visit today. Uh, so you'll get a sense of what the battlefield would have looked like, um, what John Brown was seeing as he tried to take over the armory in Harper's Ferry. Um, and also like general practical tips for visiting, like parking information and stuff like that. Uh, if you're interested in my other series, I do a perspectives in education where I interview um, different educators and also tell stories from my life in education, like my prom from hell story, which is quite an experience. Um, and I also have a how-to where I interview people like comedians on how they, they've succeeded in their job. Uh, the podcast you can find at theeducatorpodcast.com or basically on any, any major podcast app, just search The Educator Podcast. All right, Matt. Just uh, hang on the line while I download this thing, and uh, thanks a bunch. You Bye-bye. got it, man. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. You're welcome.